This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hi, everybody. I am delighted to introduce you to Sherry E. I'm going to have her introduce herself and give her name because I will definitely not do it the justice it deserves. It's a cool, it's, it, look, it doesn't look, and you're gonna say this, and I know I wanted to say this, it, does, it, it, it doesn't look like it, it's pronounced, put it that way. It's very cool, it's, it's very cool in that sense. Um, yeah, so, so, so introduce yourself, and where, where are you physically located? Sure, uh, so my name is Sherry Arathutchen, um, and I'm physically, I'm living in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania right now. Cool. All right. Tell, tell everybody how to spell your last name because in due time, they're going to want to know how to follow you on social media and why I screwed up in that introduction. No worries. Uh, yeah, the last name. So my last name is spelled E, Z is in zebra, H-U-T-H-A, C is in cat, H-A-N is in Nancy. And you could tell I probably had to spell that out so many times. Um, it's, it's from um, South India. That's that, the origin. Cool. Cool. I love that. Awesome. Awesome. So where I, you know, what, what, what is your story? I know you, um, like, what, what do you do? What's your story potentially about like how you got there? Give me a little bit of background about your career. Yeah. So, uh, my career is wild. Uh, when I started out as an electrical engineer in defense shipbuilding, and, and I'm now a life and career coach. So I'll walk you through that one. Yeah, Uh, that's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so I, I studied, um, engineering because I was like good at math and science, but not really. Cause I was like, Oh, I really want to do engineering. I really want to love, I, I love this. You know, I, I do enjoy math and science, but then once I got to college, I was like, mm, I don't know about this, but, um, it was too late to change. Uh-huh. Um, and so I went ahead and I, Worked. My, my first job was in defense shipbuilding, so we were building aircraft carriers, um, nuclear aircraft carriers with Northrop Grumman, and and I worked in electrical engineering on some components for the for a new aircraft carrier, and that work was fine, but um, not really exciting, and and I wasn't getting a lot of opportunity in a very big organization. Like my location was eighteen thousand people just in that one space. Um, so from there, I was there for five years. And over that time, I took some time to um, move myself over to project management. And I was looking to like work more with people. I realized I was good at getting people to work together, build consensus, pull all the pieces together and keep people moving. And someone told me that's called project management. And so I did my um, certification and moved from engineering into more like project management and risk management and um, did that there and still wasn't quite satisfied. I was happier with my role, but um, working in such a large organization, you don't get to have as big of a piece of the pie and it takes you a lot longer to, to get that. And I was hungry for more, for more action, for to own more. Um, and so I ended up moving to a smaller company. Um, and that was, there was many reasons. I was also moving for love at the time and moved from, that was in Virginia and then moved to 
<laughs> southeastern Georgia and wow. ended up living on an island off the coast of Georgia, which That's is cool. beautiful. Yeah. And um, and so there I worked for a small manufacturing plant. So I went from 18,000 people to 70 people. And I got hired on as a project manager and I was supposed to be the fourth in a four-person team. And then uh, the fourth the third person dropped a, like a week after I got there and I ended up taking on all his projects. And um, so I got the bigger piece of pie that I wanted um, very intensely and worked there as a project manager, um, building huge manufacturing components for, again, for the military. And um, in doing that work, I was happy. I was very busy. And then at some point that turned into burnout along with sort of a lot of things going on in my personal life and it sort of all collided together. And ultimately after two and a half years there, uh, at some point I was like, I gotta get out. I don't know what I wanna do next, but if I'm gonna be working like this, it's gotta be for something I care about, something I love, something that <laughs> fuels me. Um, so I just had the right skill set, sort of the right size, but I didn't have the right work the right. quality or the you know what I was working on so I actually ended up quitting and I had been saving up money probably since uh since soon after I started my first job so maybe six or seven years and at that point I'd been saving money and paid off my debts and decided to take time off and travel and I did an around the world trip um so I backpacked solo for 17 months um, around the world and that is definitely one of the best decisions I've made in my life um, so I left from rural Georgia and went to Central and South America and then um, parts of Africa southern and eastern Africa um, parts of Europe Israel and then out to Southeast Asia for a few months um, saw my family in India and then came back. And along the way, I met my now husband, um, who was from the Bay Area. And so when I, he was also traveling, and I came back and lived in Georgia with my best friend. And then he got finished, and he met me there. And we bought a car um, and drove, and it was a little Honda Fit. And we drove this Honda Fit around the country, we went from Georgia up the East Coast to all the way to New Hampshire, New Hampshire. Chicago to Wyoming, uh, out to Seattle to see his older sister, and then down the coast to San Francisco. And that's <laughs> that's along the way. I was also applying and interviewing for jobs. Um, so on the journey around the world, I, I really started to connect with, whoa, wherever I go, I'm really passionate about women's issues, um, what's happening to girls and to women around the world. Um, and I knew, I, you know, I was like, I don't know how to necessarily work into that field right away, but I know, you know, nonprofit is a good place for me to start applying myself towards doing good in the world. Um, and so I found a fellowship called the Pro Inspire Fellowship, and it helps people move from for-profit to nonprofit um, in a lateral way, as opposed to traditionally you might volunteer and sort of work your way up an organization. And they get your sort of business acumen and you get to experience nonprofit um, culture and, and the way an organization thinks. And I ended up staying in that job for three and a half or four years. Um, and there I was doing um, 
I started in project management, managing the renovation of a facility um, for a new program. And along the way, that work really required managing partnerships for this nonprofit with their with five city departments, you know, the DA, the police, CPS, the hospital. Um, and so getting all of these people's inputs on how they needed this space to look along with two other private businesses that were renting from the, from us, from that building. And that work turned into from project management to partnerships work, um, and program management. And I think that's, one of the benefits of working in nonprofit is that ultimately like you have to use who you have and you get moved around and you get to experience a lot of different areas of work, um, a lot of different projects and everyone pitches in, especially in a, that time it was maybe a 50 person organization. And so that was really rewarding and fulfilling and it was working on systems change. So it moved from just the, we finished the renovation of the building, got everybody moved in, and then the program itself was looking at, um, so this was the child abuse prevention organization in San Francisco, which is now called Safe and Sound, and looking at how the system responds to acute incidents of child abuse and looking for ways to improve not only that response system, but perhaps a larger system. and. Um, the center we were building is called a children's advocacy center, which is where children come um, after to be um, interviewed about what happened to them in a child-friendly way and a child-friendly location. And so in the work itself, I found that systems change was, of course, very powerful, but of course, takes a long time. And humans and our... Uh, inner workings and how we work together across organizations. Um, I saw that like teams and how people work together was really what might be standing in the way of the change, that there was a lot of dynamics between folks. And I'd noticed that throughout my career, you know, in project management. And so slowly I sort of started to come to, I need to be Yes, system change is important, but we need to be thinking about the humans doing that system change and the burnout they might be experiencing and how all of that shows up in a meeting and when they're trying to make decisions. So I, I stopped there and decided for many reasons, um, my husband and I decided to do a digital nomad thing. We had always wanted to figure out how to travel and work. Um, and it was coming to a time where that made sense for us, so we decided to go to Bali, um, between Bali and India, uh, let me be a little closer to my family, um, spend some time in India with them, spend some time away in Bali exploring this digital nomad life. Um, and during that time, I was freelancing and also figuring out what my next steps were um, as far as this sort of how do I help people in the workplace? Do I do organizational culture and development? What do I do? Um, and then it really came through working with my freelance clients. I got the same feedback I'd been getting throughout my career, which was like, you do something that lets me be creative, lets me throw stuff on the wall and be a mess and then come out with the right idea. And it was this like safe space for people to play and take risks and feel comfortable um, being messy and it kept coming back to me in different forms that essentially people were like have you considered coaching 
And at that time I thought, coaching something you do when you're like 65 and have had a lifetime of experience and lots of gray hair. And I didn't realize at the time that coaching is actually a very specific skill set. It's a way of creating that space um, and letting other people grow in that space and helping them do that. And that over the past few years has taken me through my training and my certification as a coach. Um, and I've been working with um, women and people of color that are taking risks. Um, that could be generally it's been starting a business, you know, moving a side hustle from a hobby to a side hustle to a real business. Um, some have been creative projects like books or a play, um, really taking action on your dreams. And that really excites me. Um, it's really what drove me through all of that career change was trying to find the thing that really lights me up, that serves the world, serves a purpose. Um, and I want that for other people. So that's, that's what I do now. And, uh, it's really amazing. I'm really proud of myself um, for moving all the way across those stories. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, obviously everything pivots slowly into everything else. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background, just a little bit of background for my, for your sake. Um, I came, I actually majored in computer science. I love, I, I, I had the, uh, the desire to do it because I loved interacting online with people. But back then, that was the only thing that was on the computer because, you know, uh-huh. who, who would have thought that you were going to be online and interacting with people in this way? But I was in 1992, 1993, when people didn't like when people didn't see it was a thing. And I was actually voted most likely to have a um, to to have an online wedding, which uh, cool. and, and that was, you know, in 1999. And and I just realized I had this conversation yesterday with my, my I had a parent teacher conference on Zoom. And she's like, yeah, this year you would have been able to do that. Uh, it's been 15 years, <laughs> but you know, um, yeah. And the reason why is because I loved working with people online and I had a knack for, um, for, for, I don't know so much for science. I had an interest in psychology. I minored in it, but I had a knack for Mac math, but these mm-hmm. days I, I don't even ask me to do any of that stuff. Like it's not like oh. I kind of, it was I'm out of practice, but I always wanted to deal with people online. I, I, I sorry. I always want to deal with people. I'm, yeah. not, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't necessarily like I, I prefer not to work with people, but I also really want like I always wanted to do my online interactions with people. So like I slowly worked my way also from working in the, like as a systems administrator, first as a computer science major, even though I wasn't wasn't ending, I didn't end up coding to like working slowly with people. And now I'm like I'm in a fragrance world because I want to help people, but in a completely different way than I would have ever expected. No. So. Yeah, it, my my story is is long. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you too much background. We could, you know. So for 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 listeners' sake, for the listeners' sake here, I we I am completely completely like I was introduced to Sherry, and that's all I have. So I have nothing. <laughs> you know, sometimes I will have a tiny bit of detail from something, and I'll be able to kind of latch on that. We're not. I have nothing here. So what everybody's listening to is what I have. So. In other words, we can talk about it offline because we have not. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, I love that you, you've kind of focused on that. So, so, so talk about uh, your the biggest focus for the Common Sense podcast is, you know, it's Sense, S-C-E-N-T-S, coming from that whole fragrance space for me. 
Um, give me give me a little bit about your your the story that I guess your defining adversity moment, if you will. I never know how to how to pro- yeah. properly introduce that, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I love that. I really love that framing. Um, and I think about this a lot um, for myself and for all of us. Like, there's just sort of the the forces that act against us systemically. Um, that we have to overcome to, to pursue our dreams. And I, I think, you know, I'd say for a long time it was around my gender, especially coming from my culture. My parents are from India and they immigrated here in the 70s and 80s. Um, I was also an only child. Um, and I think I'm coming to realize as an adult that even more so than being a woman, I I think there's being a child of immigrants in this country uh, is probably the thing that has defined me more than I can even know right now. Um, And that I wouldn't say is like one specific moment that has, you know, really challenged me, but I think it's sort of in the water of my body and of my my mind. because I think when you are an immigrant, you know, even if you're directly an immigrant or if you're a child of immigrants, that there's a sense of not belonging. Yeah. Um, no matter, like, if I go back to India, I don't fully belong there. I don't fully belong here um, because of the systems at play. I, I think, you know, it affects your mindset around what you have to do to survive in a new place. Um, in a new country and I I think you know there's also a lot of especially if your family struggled that they do everything for you as you grow to give you the best opportunities and they did do everything they could for me to like be a doctor lawyer engineer so I could be safe right that was sort of the the pressure I was facing I get it I get it it's cultural expectations expectations of of a specific child and offspring i I was listening to a podcast last night about um how yeah if you do something that's a little different if you like for example you're an entrepreneur like your parents almost disown you because the they they have you know effectively emigrated uh to the you know they immigrate and they work you know this menial job because mm-hmm. usually that's the ex- that's usually what happens when you, especially like your grandparents will come I, I mean I, you know I'm I'm a, I'm a descendant like fourth generation american mm-hmm. but you know I look at I, I see what my you know ancestors were doing he's a he was a peddler he's a butcher he's a merchant like you know they were door to door merchants uh, there's a lot of things that I was actually thinking about when you were talking um, but you know the uh, the fact that they, they work so that we can go to college and then be like the rich dad, poor dad mindset. Yes. Instead of yep. taking something that in our hands and, uh, hand, and putting a lot of risk on our shoulders. But, you know, working for the man is, is, is difficult. Is it worth it? Is it because then you're just going to teach our kids to be kind of working in the rat race and instead of, you know, taking, you know, breaking out of that rat race and being a, being a new rat, competitive rat. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I'm trying to picture it this right. time around. I had something yeah. else in my mind. Totally yeah. forgot. It slipped. It slipped. You had you had a lot of interesting thoughts of, upon which I was I should have interrupted you and just said, hey, and this one, and this one. Yeah. Yeah. But anyhow. Yeah. 
No, I, I'm, I, I hear you that there's, you do, like so many people have worked so hard to bring each of us to this moment. Yeah. And then to like, potentially be like, deviate. sorry, I'm going to quit everything you set me up for and go travel the world. That was a big one. Or <laughs> that's cool. Value. That's awesome. I want to go there. I want to do that. Oh, so that was what I, one of the things. One of the things I was saying is like, it's the perfect time right now for all like you were talking about taking your like road trip. I'm like, that's it's the perfect time right now in the in COVID crisis to, to pretty much do the same thing. You just you know, if anyone is sitting at work and they're working from home, get your RV and or get an RV or get your car and just work, <laughs> you know, like drive and take it, go to a different place each night. I just do yeah. it while you can because you'll regret that you didn't do it later. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Like if you have the means and the ability, why not? You know, and, and there's ways to do that safely, of course. And yet, you know, with coronavirus and all, but yeah, take the risk, like take the educated risk, um, to do things that are unusual. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I think that like that immigrant mindset is still unraveling in me of, um, you know, like having to achieve all the time, having to like do, 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 and like learning to like, Oh, I can relax. That's okay. That's a good thing. It's actually necessary, you know? Um, and, and so I feel like it's not quite, you know, the, the adversity of one incident, but sort of the adversity of like mindset, um, that affects so many things in small ways. I get it. I get it. It's 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 yeah. like it's the phrase "a stranger in a strange land," but you can't go back home because you don't feel like you're part part at home. You're not. I get it. You, like we had, we actually have a teacher who is um, came from Israel to the United States to teach last year, um, and she's only here. She was only committed to two years, and then you know six months into her tenure, COVID happens. And the first thing she did was come home, but she didn't feel right being home because she's still effectively committed to the United States. And obviously, you know, she's kind of been the, that person who was supposed to be here, like she was kind of transplanted. So she never really like she like that was a really difficult thing because like mentally you you she sort of tried to grasp the fact that she was supposed to kind of be committed to us for two years, but she ended up not doing it and she, they ended up going back. So after six months, they, that was it. So she had to make it work, but like, it's, it's emotionally difficult. It's extraordinary. Like, even when I moved in, like I'm American, but I didn't feel like I was part of my community for, and I said that I've actually shared this in the podcast in the past, that I never felt like I was part of my community. I still didn't until finally COVID happened. And for us in in New York, New Rochelle, New York was the epicenter of the first community in the entire country. I live there. I'm part of that. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you know, coming out of nowhere, and all of a sudden the news wants to talk to somebody in the community, and nobody really wanted to talk. And I'm like, oh, me, me, me. And I raised, <laughs> and the news came here, and I started feeling like I could kind of live here. <laughs> but it took me a while, and yet, I, like, it, I needed that validation. Like all of a sudden, people were like, oh, yeah, we're not gonna fight with, her. we're not gonna mess with her. But it was weird. It took. It, you have to find some sort of defining moment, and then it makes it easier. So. Yes. So yeah, tell me a little bit about like, did, what did you ever have you had like, I mean, you had that that struggle coming in, where are you now? And how do you where do you stand? Um, hmm. Like, do you still feel like do you still feel like, do you struggle with that? I, I assume like, I still kind of have my own self doubt. So I I'm, yeah. I'm, I wouldn't I'm not making any judgment calls whatsoever. No, no, it's totally fine. I would say yes, <laughs> belonging plays out in a lot of different ways and 
some of that is even like a social environment like in pre-covid times you go to a networking event or go to a party or something and and just my body starts from a place of this is not safe i don't belong and then i have to sort of work to shift my mindset around that to go and say no i you know i i believe it was i think it's shonda rhymes or someone um in Hollywood that talked about like you have to say I'm 400% belong here and right. and and I that sort of stuck with me um, you know from a work way of like I don't have I have a few friends that are also small business owners and that sort of it's just different you're, you're just operating in a different world um, with family you know just the sense of not belonging and I, it's gotten to a place now where it's not, um, where I can catch it, right? Where it's not sort of operating on, I'm not on autopilot and letting it take over my mindset. Um, I'm aware of it, I can notice it, and it's still painful, but I can do a lot of um, nurturing and self-parenting to help myself through that. Um, and my partner knows that it's a, you know, a tender place for me. So we talk about it a lot. So I think there's a lot of regulation I do for myself um, and with my partner to, to sort of, I don't know if healing's the right word, but at least to take care of it um, and nurture it and give it love because that is, yeah, it's still tender. And, and um, I don't think that'll ever go away because it's, it's so deep and it's like, I'm, I'm, 38 years old so it's 38 years old with me you know and um it's just going to take time to to have that be a place of joy and celebration right now it's it's like neutral so there but we're, we're working on moving that from i don't belong to like oh i definitely belong and i'm excited to be wherever it is you know yeah. and i'm excited for others to get to know me is like whoa <laughs> yeah you got to think about um First of all, I, I mean, listen, it's, it's, and I, I'm, I'm prefacing this by saying a lot of people have a fear of flying, including myself, and someone will tell you you have an irrational fear, and there's just like nothing you can potentially do to do that, you know, to change that. So it's, it's like, I, I'm not going to give you anything that's going to give you, like, ask you, you give you any type of uh, assurances right now, but I will say that um, you think about it, like, I mean, it, this country, more than anything in any other country, I guess, in the world, is, is an extraordinarily massive melting pot. And unless you identify yourself as an immigrant, no one knows. But then again, I can't, I'm not, I'm not here, I'm not going to be your therapist right now. I'm not going to be able to solve that problem. But yeah, it's, it's a huge thing. I, I totally get it, though. But you, you, you just... I don't know. Like, I don't want to be the one person who's like, you know, your, 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 your biggest barrier is always yourself and your mindset. So totally. I think that's the key is like, I'm not really worried about so much what other people think, but I, I see myself limiting myself and internalizing these beliefs of not belonging that are told to us by the systems around us. And it's more that I want to tend to those places so that I don't limit myself. And I, take the risks that I want to take or introduce myself to people I want to introduce myself to and, and not um, play small, you know, around my life. And that's the, that's the ongoing work I have. But yeah, it's definitely, um, it's definitely 
sort of woven into my DNA and slowly like pulling those threads out and being like, okay, let's rearrange you into something better. Right. Yeah. It takes time. It definitely takes time. And like I, I've been, I've been living in this particular community for eight years and I still like, I, I needed COVID to kind of validate it. But sometimes mm-hmm. I just, you know, everybody, at least in my community, uh, everybody's related to everybody else. And I'm like this, I still feel like an outsider because I never have that. I'll never have that tie in. So I guess that you've kind of feel the same way because mm-hmm. you know, it's you when <laughs> you're like, yeah. like if you don't have like 14 first cousins and your brother-in-law and your sister-in-law and their families, like you just feel like it's just yourself. And I, you know, and people are like, why are you here? No, people haven't, I don't think people have asked me that, but I definitely yeah. question that. Like I, I definitely face that question a lot. How does that show up for you in other parts of your life? Um, which particular part? Like this, the sense of like it, at least until it started to feel like you belonged, you know, the places where you, when you weren't feeling belonging, how, not only with your, your, where you were living and the people around you, but like, how does that show up um, outside of that? You know, I don't know necessarily if I if I aim for. It's funny because socially we are such social beings, and yet I don't know necessarily about its presence in other parts of my life. But I I feel like the best the way the frame to potentially change that question is how have I made myself feel like I'm part of other com- communities? And I say like it's the best. We live in the best time because there are communities that I can align with that satisfy my very in my interest levels on a variety of multitude of topics and other things so like for example there are things that i do that none of my friends locally do so how am i for example like running i'm not a big runner i'm not a you know but i identify with the running community and um there are local running groups but they're too serious for me <laughs> i'm not that kind of runner i'm like i'm so it's, i'm not i'm quite i'm a runner whose foot is still kind of in one room and the other one is sort of out the door <laughs> yeah and i can't there's no there's no community for people like me and the local <laughs> community that being said uh so i i align with like you know the the online communities for for runners um you know yeah. i for whatever reason it's really weird to say this but i have a really great relationship with the pakistani humans of the world i know wow. india, india and india and pakistan don't get along but i love the pakistanis that's our governments our people are fine we yeah, love each yeah other no i know it's like yeah. you know obviously I, I learned these new these new things and i like i almost they want me to come to pakistan to visit like it's that kind of thing so, you know, you don't necessarily have to, and, and I know as an immigrant, you're physically living amongst other people. You don't, I, I, first of all, never look at it. I, I will, I never look at somebody like, like she's the person who came from India. Like, uh, 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 uh. for me, it's just like, you're a human who lives in this house. Like, I don't care. But like, the fact is that, how would, what would happen if I go to Pakistan? And, oh, she's the American. <laughs> it's, I'll, I'll tell you something funny, a little, a little bit of a Black Friday, Cyber Monday story. There, there's a, a product online right now that's for sale and um, it's usually like $700 and it's like currently $563, which is a great deal for a lifetime supply of this of this app. And I don't want to pay $563 for something I might use like twice. 
So <laughs> I, I was Googling, I, I was actually not Googling, I was using Facebook groups to find um, a lifetime deal of this thing and then like seeing if somebody was selling their license key. And what I ended up finding was something I post, posted four days prior and he's like, I'm trying to get a bunch of people and we're all gonna join and we're gonna buy this product together and get the lifetime subscription. I was like, oh, cool, let me get in on it. That's so I messaged cool. the guy and it's funny because like, you know, I'm just this chick from America. They're all like from Bangladesh. <laughs> And it's me. And they're like, oh, he's from USA. And I'm like, oh, she's from USA. <laughs> and like, you know, just to change those little like like those nuanced settings there. It's it's so it was just funny. Uh, so I'm the one there's 24 men, <laughs> no, 23 <laughs> men and one female. And everybody's from uh, what is in Qatar and what, and everybody else is in Bangladesh. And they're okay. all talking in like Bangladesh. I don't know what language it is. They're all talking in their language and I'm like, because now I'm in this Facebook, uh, I'm in this group with them. It's just such a weird thing. But like, I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling like I'm part of this community. I don't like, of course I feel like I'm an outsider, but I feel like, you know, they welcomed me in and it was like, they're very, very kind. So it was just like, you know, I guess where I'm going from this is, is, a, little, is a little bit of a deviation. You can find your communities and I guess ultimately appreciate the kindness of strangers. And for that, I mean, obviously, I know I stick out like a sore thumb, but you don't. You are part of this. You are living in a melting pot. So, again, I right. can't be your therapist on that particular side. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I love what yeah. I love what what you're saying is like community is out there. There's belonging out there for you. You just have to sort of find it, and yeah. it's in surprising places, perhaps, and not um, not completely like, especially now, even because of the pandemic that it's more even perhaps more accessible yeah so you know what i would say for you um this is actually an opportunity for you to create your own community create a community of immigrants not feeling like they're part of the community and i know it's a weird thing but i also feel like there's a value in it yesterday i was also looking on a face on facebook for a community that apparently doesn't exist and i was really upset and i'm like i could create this community but i'm starting from nowhere but i assume that there are other people amongst you who like among uh, like you know people who are kind of struggling with the same identity issues if you all self-identify and then create a community around it, it could have a viral effect and people could, you know, like you, you ask each other, how do you support each other? You know, the challenges that you deal with every single day. Make us, it could be, it doesn't have to be a Facebook group. It could be a WhatsApp group. Uh, it could be like a group of entrepreneurs. It could be whatever. Like, I, I don't know how you do it, um, but like I, I, I do stuff like this. We have, I have a group of entrepreneurs who meets every Monday, uh, sorry, every Wednesday. And I have another one that meets every Thursday. So there are communities that you can do, like create something that obviously will, first of all, uh, for this in particular, in your particular struggle, like you're identifying with a group of people who identify with the struggle that they have. So you're gonna, obviously, you'll insert yourself in a community that obviously addresses your other, like you could pro potentially kill two birds with one stone if, you're, if you see where I'm going with that. Yeah, yeah, I think what you're, what you might be speaking to is also like affinity groups. Yeah, that yeah. People of perhaps a sim similar, identity or, or struggle join together independently or maybe even within an organization that like to have space together yeah um, yeah yeah i mean listen those these days especially in COVID times like these things kind of can become mastermindy like it's weird to say and masterminds are people sometimes people don't take it seriously but i feel like there's a tremendous value on on ongoing camaraderie but that camaraderie has to be like heavily maintained so mm -hmm. that's why we have weekly meetings. Otherwise, we would be just casual people, like you know, talking to each other. But the fact that, like, I literally look forward to the meeting every single, like, every every week, because that's we establish wonderful. a cadence. 
it helps yeah. so much. It, it, it'll help you so much. Even though you might not talk about anything that's relevant to you, the fact that you have this free, it's because you're not paying, no one's paying each other. You're not like, it's not like seeing like your therapist or seeing your doctor or seeing your nutritionist, you have to pay for it. It's, you know, go because you want to. And there, there's like some sort, sort of like reinforcing component to it. And I did not think this, I would never have believed this, that there's potential for this, but now I see it. And I'm like, I want to start a mastermind company because there's so much benefit to this. Yeah. Because, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll, I, 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 unless you want to talk about anything else on that side, we could talk about like the self care side of things and how are you keeping yourself? How do you like overcome, you know, these, I guess, hurdles mentally in a self care context and how are you focusing on self care in other contexts? Yeah. Um, I think a big part is again, like framing. So I don't, I don't think about maybe this is a hurdle necessarily, but more a part of myself I need to integrate and hold with love and tenderness and, and not so much like fix and overcome. And in doing that, like there's sort of self care of, you know, physical movement, um, social time, uh, you know, sort of the, the pieces of the body. I think the body feels like the key in the doorway for all of this. So, you know, from an inner working perspective, you know, noticing the the places where I don't feel good or I feel, might not feel belonging or, or might feel like I'm playing small to like, to actually spend time with that painful feeling, whatever it is, and then nurture it and care for it, it to me feels like a form of self care. And then from a like physical action sort of perspective, it's some balance between like trying to get some movement, like listening again to my body to like, what do I need? Do I feel like I just need a good stretch? Do I need to go for a long walk? Um, do I need social time? Do I need to call some friends? Do I need, I do a lot of um, sort of art and creative hobbies that I, that I just do for enjoyment and pleasure. Um, and I haven't journaled in a while, but I do journal generally and a good gratitude practice. Like, and I'm not saying that I do every one of these things every day. That's something I've had to like get rid of that like capitalist mindset and productivity mindset around it. It's more like, what do I need today? And these are all the tools of self-care that I have and you know, that I'm uh, integrating them as I need them in my day um, and trying to balance that. And it's definitely not perfect. And then there are times where I go out of rhythm completely and and then sort of realize like, whoops, too far. I need to come back and reinstitute my self-care practices. Um, so it's a sort of a up and down cycle where I, again, try not to let any part of me feel like uh, I can get to be like too perfectionistic. And so try to really be okay with, I do whatever I can today and that's the best that I can do and that's great. And a lot of, um, a lot of being kind and gentle with myself and those inner parts of myself that might be more critical. Cool. Yeah. You definitely need to be kind to yourself because right now overthinking, especially when it comes back to what you were talking about earlier, be kind to yourself. You, you do belong 
hundred percent. And if you ever need to ever need that validation, hit me up and I'll be like, here we go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I am absolutely here for, for your self care. I, I try, I try to help a lot of people in, in that context, wherever I can. So feel free. I know it's weird. <laughs> getting this. We don't know each other, but you know, in a podcast, I'm be like, yep, I'm going to do this for you. So, uh, you don't have to take it, <laughs> but by all means, I would love to be here to support you. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So let me ask you, I'm going to ask you the, uh, what I would call the common sense question. And okay. that is the question that usually I don't prepare anybody for, but if you can give yourself an earlier, uh, an earlier version of yourself, a piece of advice, what would you tell her? That's why, because I'm waiting for that long pause mm-hmm. every single time. I think it, it ultimately things have always gone well when I trust my intuition or trust what I'm feeling. And so it's some combination of like trust your intuition and express yourself fully, like authenticity. Um, and like in that you'll probably experience lots of judgment or, or, you know, things from other people, pressures and do your best to do it anyway, be true to yourself, follow whatever your intuition is saying and like know that your body has wisdom for you. Cool. Great. Well, I think that's great. And it's something that it's, it's, I always love these pieces of advice because usually it's applicable for other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what episode this is right now. It's like 40 something. It's the end of the forties, the mid forties. And usually I introduce it. Sometimes I don't because I have edited. It usually depends on when I'm at, where I am in my editing. My, um, but you know, there was only one where I'm like, I don't identify with this. And I that. <laughs> she's like, it was just like two weeks ago, um, Helen Fogarty. And she's like, I would get funding for my company. I'm like, oh, I bootstrap. <laughs> All of a sudden I felt like, oh, okay. But like, it, you know, but I love it. I love the fact that usually the takeaways are applicable for other people. And I think it's really important. And the reason why I said, kind of like said that is like, yeah, I think most of us don't trust our intuition. We don't trust our gut. And usually it's the right thing to do. You don't want to overthink anything. And I'm starting to realize philosophically, especially right now as I'm running the team, um, I, I, I like in, in Pakistan, um, the fact if I overthink things, I, I get too involved in the details. And if I just, I'm like, here's a decision, this is how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Everybody is happier. And ultimately I believe that the belief is important. So, you know, I like to, I like to say, you know, we come, we're, we're coming to this with a little more experience on, on our belts. And typically we get a lot of great um, insight and we should trust it. And I'd like, I like the takeaways to obviously be applicable to the, to the listeners as well. Because <laughs> otherwise we have what, yeah, two weeks ago. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. She's like, well, that's for, for my situation. I didn't want to disagree publicly, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, it, it, it is helpful to like realize that these, these, these pieces of advice are just, it's not just about you. It's about, there's so many other, we could all benefit from that. So, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, tangent. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. Sweet. Sweet. Okay, so talk talk to us about uh, where we can find you and learn, fo- follow you, and yeah, and contact you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think the, the probably the best, best way, way 
to find me and then a link to my website is Instagram. Um, I will say my Instagram is not polished. It's sort of random and sporadic, but it does have links to all my information. So my Instagram is at hatch, the letter N, Bloom, B-L-O-O-M. So my company is Hatch and Bloom. Um, and if you want to check out my website, it's discoverhatchandbloom.com. And that, so the Instagram has H-A-T-C-H-N Bloom, mm-hmm. or, uh, and, and the website is Discover Hatch and A. And, yes. Okay, I want to make sure um, to differentiate. Yeah. Okay, sweet, awesome. Well, thanks so much, Sherry. I loved, loved learning about your story. And yes, I really am at your disposal. Should you ever need it to feel like you need that validation. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank awesome. you. Cool. All right. It was a pleasure to be here and join you on your podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank it really was a pleasure to have you. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host, Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time, 